0: of heights to the depths of the sea
1: and i will pray the father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever notice the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him but you know him jesus speaking to his disciples and lord is speaking to you but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you do you notice the two different things there
0: Glaining, indescribable, uncontainable You place the stars in the sky and you know them by name You are amazing God Welcome everyone to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor and Teacher Rob Kellogg. It would be wonderful to live the Christian life with Jesus beside us each step of the way. Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit would fulfill just that role for us, being sent to empower and help the believer. Jesus would give the Holy Spirit so that he may abide in us permanently and not temporarily. He explained that the world cannot understand or receive the Spirit because he is holy and true. The spirit of truth is not popular in an age of lies, and the world cannot perceive the spirit and does not know him. However, those that place their trust and belief in Jesus Christ do know the spirit of truth. Now here's Pastor Rob's teaching already in progress.
1: Uh, Fourteen verses. But let's look at John chapter 14. We'll just read from verse 15 down to the end of the chapter. Notice what Jesus said to them in the the upper room, his disciples. He says, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you, notice, another, or if you've got a King James, it'll say another comforter, or the comforter. That he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive Because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Underline that phrase. He is with you and he will be in you. That is so critical to understand. He is with you and he will be in you. Two of the three different relationships that we're going to look at with, our, with the Holy Spirit. Notice what Jesus said. He says, And I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. He says, A little while longer, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. Because I live, you will, you will also live. And at that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. And he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus answered and said unto him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. And he who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Notice again the dependence that Jesus had on the Father. He wasn't a loose cannon. He was completely in sync with his Father. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, they're, they're, they're not, they don't have differences of opinion. They are all one. And so they, everything they do is of the same heart, the same motivation. Everything that they do. These things, he says in verse 25, I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the Helper or the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give it to you. And let not your heart be troubled, and neither let it be afraid. You have heard me say to you, I am going away and coming back to you. And if you love me, you would rejoice, because I said, I am going to the Father, for my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it comes. Again, I love that Jesus, the Good Shepherd, telling them ahead of time, preparing them. That's all this meal, all this um, this dialogue that or this what Jesus is sharing with them right now, that's what it's all about. It's preparing them. They need preparation because the proof of it is when he was arrested, what happened? Did they all stay with him because they were well prepared? Jesus prepared for them well. He prepared them, but they all scattered. They still didn't quite get it, but it wasn't because of something he didn't do. No, he gave them every opportunity. and I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. But that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, so I do. Arise and let us be going. Arise and let us be going. Let's go back to verse 1 here. Notice what it says there, if. I would encourage you to underline the word if, because it is a conditional statement. If you love me, then do this. If you love me, keep my commandments. It is a conditional statement. If and keep. Those two things are the modifiers here. If you love him, then keep his commandments. Throughout the scripture, we see that the Lord gives conditional promises and unconditional promises. The conditional promises require us to do something before God will do something. And that makes sense, doesn't it? A condition means if you do this, I will do this. A good example of a conditional promise is in 1 Kings. And let me just read it to you. You can write down the reference. It's 1 Kings uh, chapter 9. I got them up here on the screen. First Kings chapter 9, verse 4 through 7. It says, and this is God appearing to Solomon the second time. And he says, Now, Solomon, if, if you. If you walk before me as your father David walked, an integrity of heart and an uprightness to do according to all that I've commanded you, and if you keep my statutes and my judgments, notice verse 5, then I will establish the throne of your kingdom over Israel forever. As I promised David your father, saying you shall not fail to have a man on the throne of Israel. But if you... Here's the condition again. If you or your sons at all turn from following me and do not keep my commandments and my statutes, which I have set before you, but go and serve other gods and worship them, verse 7, then I, then I, if you, then I will cut off Israel from the land which I gave them and this house which I have consecrated for my name, I will cast out of my sight. Did he do that? He did. He had their temple burnt down. As he said this to, in Kings later on, Nebuchadnezzar in 606 and then finally in 586, he actually torched the temple and took them all captive. He did do that. But the unconditional promise are things that God is going to do regardless of our performance or our obedience. We see this in Genesis 15, in the Abrahamic covenant. What did he say to, to, to Abraham? God says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abraham, for I am your shield, your exceeding great reward. But Abraham said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. And then Abram said, Look, look, you have given me no offspring, and indeed one born of my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall be not your heir, but one who will come from your own body and shall be your heir. And then he brought him outside and said, Look toward the heavens and count the stars if you're able to number them, Abram. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him for righteousness." And there's a lot more about that uh, in that chapter. But basically, God unilaterally gave him a promise. And it had nothing to do with Abram's performance of it. That's an unconditional promise. And I love those because I have a tendency to mess things up. There are certain things that are conditional, and there are certain things that are unconditional. Let me read something to you out of 2 Samuel, and I want you to tell me, uh, if it's conditional or unconditional. But let me set it up for you. We're in Second uh, Samuel, verse 7. This is the uh, Davidic covenant that God gave to David. And it says, Now therefore, thus shall you say to my servant David, he, God was speaking through Nathan, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took for you from the sheepfold, from following the sheep, to be ruler over my people, over Israel. And I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have cut off all your enemies from before you. I have made you a great name, like the name of the great men who were on the earth." And then here's the phrase, here's the passage, and I want you to tell me whether this is unconditional or conditional. This is God speaking. He says, Moreover, I will appoint you a place, a, uh, excuse me, I will appoint a place for my people, Israel. And I will plant them, that they may dwell in a place of their own and move no more, nor shall the sons of wickedness oppress them any more as previously, since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel and have caused you to rest from all your enemies. And also the Lord tells you that he will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled, David... You will rest with your fathers and I will set up your seed after you who will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Is that a conditional promise or an unconditional promise? Mm -hmm. Unconditional. This is what I'm going to do, God says. This is what I'm going to do. And yet in that same The very next verse, in verse 14, tell me what this is. You probably know what it is already because I've already set it up. Notice what the Lord says to him. I will be his father and he shall be my son. If he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of man and the blows of the son of man. Is that a conditional statement? It's conditional. You can always know the condition when it says if. If this happens, then I will do this. Conditional promise. And then in the very next verse... What is this? But my mercy shall not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever. Conditional or unconditional? Exactly. If you love me, if you love me, then do something about it. If you love me, Faith without works is dead. I can say that I love Jesus all my life, but if I don't have, there's nothing backing it up. My faith is pretty shallow. How can I know that it's for real? Again, my works don't just, I mean, it's not what gets me to heaven. My faith in Christ gets me to heaven, right? But if I love him, it ought to change my life radically, right? It seems pretty easy to understand. If we really love Jesus, if we really love God, we'll listen to him, we'll obey him. But but what best way to show somebody that you love them than to be willingly submissive and obedient to that person? That's how we show love. See, love is not just a feeling, but it's a purpose of the will. True love shows itself. James tells us that faith without works is dead. And I believe also that love without works is dead also you can tell me you love me all you want, but if it doesn't result in action, it's empty, empty words. Many wives have heard their husbands, and many husbands have heard their wives, oh, I love you, but there's no real love because there's no submission, there's no true obedience to one another. Keep my commandments, he says. And John's epistle, he said, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves him, loves him also who begot him. And he goes on, he says, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. They really aren't burdensome, are they? They're very simple, actually. But practically, it is a challenge, isn't it? It really is. Simple to say. We can say it all we want, and they are very simple, but in practice, that's where the rubber hits the road. That's where we are going to be challenged right to the core because walking in the light, walking in the spirit, walking in the truth can be hard. In fact, it's harder than walking in the darkness because if you're walking in the darkness, you can just lie through your teeth and get away with it, at least for a season, and walk away but no walking in the light means confronting things. Who who likes to be confrontational? Who likes to be, you know, dealing with it? Folks, we've got things in our life that we need to deal with. We can't just skirt them under the rug anymore. We have to walk in the light as he is in the light. And if we are giving in to the flesh and wrestling with the will of God for our life, it's going to be difficult. But the greater our will is surrendered to his, and the more we love him, the less difficult, I believe, it can be. Because within us, we know that there's two natures battling for dominance. This old nature that wants to, reveal, wants to express itself in the deeds of the flesh, and then the new nature, the Spirit of God who has indwelt us. If you're a Christian, then that is true. And there's a new nature. That new nature wants to have dominance over that old nature. And we have to let it. The Apostle Paul knew this very well. In Romans chapter 7, verse 8, he says this. 7, excuse me. For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For the will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I would do... I do not do, but the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Now if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find then a law that evil is present with me. And notice he's speaking of his own self, converted I find a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good, for I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity of the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who is going to deliver me from this body of death? And Paul gives us the answer. I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's the answer. He's the one who's going to deliver us from this body of death. It's Jesus. Real, true love will motivate us to do things that money or any other coercion could not accomplish. If you love me, keep my commandments. What many will not do, even for money, a believer will do for Jesus willingly and sacrificially. What many will not do, even for money, a believer will do for Jesus, willingly and sacrificially. Notice in verse 16, back in our text, it says, Jesus says, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. This word helper or comforter is in the Greek, it is parakletos, which means uh, an intercessor, a consoler, an advocate, somebody who draws alongside of you. And Jesus wasn't going to be with his disciples after his ascension into heaven, and so he made sure that they had another helper, a comforter. They would certainly need it, and you and I need it today more than ever. And notice that the Holy Spirit would abide with us forever. He's not just going to come and then leave and leave us. He is going to stay with us, Emmanuel, God with us, right? Emmanuel, God with us. Because the Holy Spirit is omnipresent, he's able to minister to many more and people all over the world all at the same time. And again, notice that it's a he, not a she. Am I a male chauvinist? Or am I just reading the word of God? Reject any translation or book that personifies God or his Holy Spirit any other way, period. Whether they use it or she, it is God's word. Not anyone else's. It's not even the, trans, the people who made the translation. It's not up to them to switch um, pronouns in this pronoun freaked out world that we live in. How many pronouns are there? There's like over 100 now. It's like, are you serious? What's the matter with people today? The spirit of Antichrist, that's what happened. And that's what people are believing. Shame on them, especially in the schools. These kids are forming, their minds are forming, and they're telling them that he's a she and she, and maybe you're an it, I don't know, how do you feel today? It's like, give me a break. Give me a break. They've lost their minds. And folks, if you've got kids in a public school, you'd better start speaking up. People are starting to speak up and things are changing. But if you don't speak up, guess what? The tidal wave of refuse is going to roll over your kids. And who knows how long we're going to be here before the Lord returns. We don't know. So we better be in the game, right? We better be involved. Christ is in control. Jesus is in control. I know that. But I'm not going to lay over and die and let them run over and just continue to run over. No. I'm going to, I want When the rapture comes, I want to be fighting I want to be resisting the spirit of Antichrist until the moment I am lifted off this earth. And then guess what? It's coming in like a tidal wave. And that's what God is going to do. Seriously. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. Notice the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. Jesus speaking to his disciples, and the Lord is speaking to you. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Do you notice the two different things there? And notice that the world whose eyes are closed, they can't do three things. The world who doesn't want to know Jesus right now, they can't certainly receive Him yet. They can't see Him yet, and they don't know Him yet. God wants them to, wants to know them, but it is not until the Spirit of God comes alongside of them and alongside of us that we can then receive Him. We can see Him and we can know Him for He dwells with you. The Greek word is para. It means coming alongside. That's what the helper does. That's what the comforter does. The parakletos in the Greek, that's what it means. He comes alongside of us. That is why Jesus said in that verse, But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you with you. This is when the Spirit of God woos us. Guys, do you remember when you wooed your wife, when you were getting her to like you? You tried everything you could to get her to like you, because she really couldn't stand you beforehand. But then you're, you're doing all these things to try and you know make yourself look good. You know, I remember when Kathy and I first were courting, she didn't like mustaches, and I had a mustache. Is it okay for me to say this? I'm going to say it anyway, I guess. Right? But she hated mustaches, and I wanted to look older, you know. So I had this mustache, and I'm like, you know, twenty something. And so, as soon as she told me, as a friend, that, oh, I just can't stand mustaches, I literally got a ticket on the way home that night. I'm not kidding. I got a ticket because I went home, and the first thing I did is I shaved that mustache off. I shaved it off. And I was trying to woo her. I was trying to do everything I could in my power, especially because of all my deficiencies, trying to get her to see and try to win and you know, get her to love me. I'm really not that bad, even though i got a tail and pointy ears. You know, Pull off the tail and pull off the ears. So... Did everything I could. And see, that's what the Spirit of God does. He woos us. He comes alongside of us. You remember those moments when somebody was preaching to you or sharing the Word of God with you? And you were considering it for a moment. You had a moment of clarity where you're really starting to think about it. That's when the Spirit of God is coming alongside of you. He is with you. He's not in you yet because you haven't made the profession of faith. But when you do, oh, how wonderful it is. What does it tell us? I love this. In Proverbs, He says... Uh, Solomon said there are three things which are too wonderful for, for me, yes, four, which I do not know. The way of an eagle in the air, the way of a serpent upon a rock, the way of a ship in the midst of the sea, and the way of a man with a maid. These things are mysteries. This courting phase of a man and a woman, it is so beautiful and it's so mysterious, isn't it? It's the moment when both hearts are the most fragile and they're right about at, they're at the Rubicon of finally opening up their hearts like they've never done before. Isn't that amazing? That is a really serious thing. When you fall in love for the first time and you finally open up your heart and you're saying, you know what, you have the, most, you have the greatest opportunity to wound me the greatest and yet love me the most and I am choosing to let you in, take care of it. But that kind of love is powerful, and it transcends races, it transcends social statuses, it transcends many things.
0: That's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as our location, service times, information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, and information regarding Bread of Life Academy, our new school opening in the fall of 2023 just click the school link at the top of the page for more information additionally you may also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play Podcast or Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link.